So last week we started talking about margin, this idea that we're supposed to have room left over at the edge of the pages of our lives, right? And as that tagline challenges us there to create space for what really matters. Because the best lives are lives lived with margin. So last week I defined margin as the amount that we have beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what I have and what I need. So on a page, it's the area that doesn't have words, right? In, in finances, it's the money left over after the bills are paid. And in, in uh, scheduling our lives, margin is having more than enough time so that we're available to God. So imagine with me for a minute, you just won a contest. And uh, the award for that contest is that you get $86,400 every day. I thought somebody would be a little more excited than that, but, uh, but that's all right. That's, you know, kind of a lot. Here, here, when you wake up each morning, you find that that amount has been deposited into your bank account overnight, but there are some conditions to the, to the award. So this, uh, this, this is uh, some of the conditions. You have to spend the whole amount every day. Whatever's left at the end of the day disappears from your account. You can't transfer it to another account. You can only spend it, and every morning the bank deposits the same amount again. The award can be stopped at any time, however, without warning. The bank can announce game over, and there's no more money deposited. So, you get $86,400 every day. How would you spend it? You just think about that. You don't have to answer out loud. Would you spend it on yourself? Would you spend it on other people? Would you spend it for the good of society? Maybe a combination of all of the above, right? Uh, and actually, maybe you're a little ahead of me, but actually you have won such a contest, but the prize is not in dollars, but in seconds. Every day, each of us receive 86,400 seconds to spend as we see fit. You can't put them into another account, right? Uh, you have to spend them, and the game over notice can come at any time, right? Uh, you just say, whoop, game's over, and, uh, and that's it. So how are we spending our time? This, this may be the most crucial area that we need to study as we think about margin in our lives, because, I mean, if you, if you run out of money, there's always a chance you could make more, Right? If you run out of friends, you can probably find others, but once you run out of time, you're done, right? Uh, you can't make any more time. William Penn once said, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Ooh. Have you ever wished that you had more time to do something you enjoy, like a, like a hobby or, 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 or something else? Have you ever wished that, that you had more time to spend with people that you love? Ha, have you ever wished that you had more time to spend with God? And I, and I think we, we, uh, we would agree, yes, we, we wish that we could, and we, we probably mean that, but, but we have to realize that all of us have the exact same amount of time every day, 86,400 uh, 86, seconds. And, and if you're not careful, some of that time can disappear, and you won't know where you spend it. Fifty years ago, people were predicting that one of the biggest problems Americans would face in coming generations would be what to do with all their extra time. In 1967, testimony before a Senate subcommittee predicted that by 1985, people would be working 22 hours a week or just 27 weeks a year and retire at the age of 38. Looking around the room, I don't think that happened, right? Uh, 
The prevailing thought was that with all the technological advances, we would be freeing up all this extra time. Instead of freeing it up, though, we've been filling it up, right? In a lifetime, uh, Americans, on average, will spend six months waiting for traffic lights to turn green. Man, I I would think that'd be six years sometime. But uh, Americans will spend one year looking for misplaced objects, Uh, close to five years waiting in line, eight months opening junk mail, close to four years eating. That's all right. I could could join that meal. That's all right. Uh, One and a half years cleaning. Some of you maybe need to bump. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. And 10 years, over 10, we will spend over 10 years on screens. And that's probably a low estimate, especially when we're thinking about our, our work and a lot of us that, that are on screens a lot all day long. What did we do with our time before traffic lights and Netflix and smartphones? Well, Dr. Richard Swenson, who wrote uh, Margin, there's the old copy. There's a new, uh, I think I showed the picture of the new version uh, up on the, the screen last week. But um, this, this book is kind of the, uh, the, the outline of where we're, where we're going and what we're doing in this series. But Dr. Richard Swenson, who wrote that book, says that actually it seems as though uh, progress and technology have moved us, uh, uh, it, instead of freeing up more time, it's moved us away from, uh, from, from margin in our lives. Here's a, here's a quote uh, from 100, page 150 in the book. True, we get to places faster, but we have more places to go. A net loss. We have devices to help us clean, but we have more things stuffed into more square footage to clean. A net loss. Hasn't the light bulb given us more time because now we can plan activities during the evening that were previously limited to daytime hours? Yes. The light bulb has given us more capacity to be busy, to produce, and to fill up schedules in the evening when before all we could do was sit around the table and read or sit by the fire and read. Or sit with family and friends and visit until it was time for all to go to bed. A net loss. So many things require our attention these days. And it it takes a conscious, continuous effort to fight against the pull of the people, places, and activities that are vying for our time. We're we're caught up in what uh, author Charles Hummel called the tyranny of the urgent. Everything seems so urgent. There are crises and and we don't want to let so-and-so down and we've got to jump into this and this happened and how do I address that? And and, and I I, kind of like to feel needed and so I'm going to jump in and and we're pushed along from one urgent thing to the next and part of the answer in developing margin in our schedules lies not in giving priority to what's urgent but to what's important. There's a great illustration of this that you might be familiar with. I don't know if you noticed my whole stack of books here, but I'm going to refer you to a lot of them today. Uh, maybe you've read. It's from a long time ago, I think. Uh, wow, this one belonged to my wife, Rebecca Brisker. Look at that. Uh, anyway, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Uh, maybe you've read that, a classic, in, uh, and, and he's got seven habits there, uh, how we can organize our lives. And, and, um, and, and I, I think especially habit number three uh, helps us uh, drill down a little bit on what it looks like to have margin in our time. Habit number three in the book is put first things first. And uh, uh, Stephen Covey is no longer with us, but I ran across this video of him teaching at a business conference um, 
well, you can tell from the, from the, you know, the dress code and whatever that, that probably this was a, little, a few years ago. But uh, he's teaching this, uh, uh, the, some of the truths of this, this uh, habit number three, put first things first. So let's watch this. Your name is? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. You have a work life? I do. Family life as well? Mm-hmm. Children? Not yet. Not yet. What's the nature of your work assignment? I direct an international firm. An international firm. Mm -hmm. So you really are interfacing with all kinds of people in the firm and outside the firm. That's right. You want a rich personal life and a rich family life. Do you ever feel like you get bogged down in the thick of thin things? Yes. Well, that might be analogous to... Little, small things that tend to fill our life. And that just little by little, they just accumulate. Now, your job, you can't go above this, is to get all those large rocks in the jar. Good luck. (laughs) What's that one called? Q2. Planning, preparation. Right. Planning, preparation, prevention, and empowerment. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next rock she's putting in there is called relationships and family. (laughs) We didn't look at that third rock you put in there. That's employment, some key employment issue, and then you put major projects here. I can't get it above there. I haven't worked it yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's called Service Community Church. (laughs) Do you ever feel like this? Yes. (laughs) How many feel like this? (laughs) By moving the little things around, you might squeeze in one more of those big major things. It's almost... Wow, it's good. You know, but doesn't fit, force it. Here's something that's called urgent and important. It's a quadrant one thing that is blindsiding you that uh, it's your biggest client that if you don't get back to that client now, you've given up your vacation and you have no special block of time just for yourself. I'll tell you what you can do if you want to. You can take a whole different approach. You have a totally fresh bowl. You can work out of a different paradigm altogether. Well, then I'd rather put these in the bottom and then pour the little pebbles on top. Employment. Big opportunity. Big opportunity. Important and urgent. Block of time. Those young children keep looking at me. (laughs) Glad my husband's not here. No, I dumped these in there. Okay. That's great. 
If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in, right? We have to be intentional about how we spend our time or the important stuff gets squeezed out. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He didn't have a bucket and rocks, but he said it this way. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Moses, years before that, uh, prayed a prayer uh, and, and said it this way. It's recorded in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Uh, Number your days aright so that you can gain a heart of wisdom. How are you numbering your days? How did you use your time this past week? Was it wise or unwise? Are you living carefully? In that passage in Ephesians, it says make the most of the time, and that's actually a a, a Greek term that, that is used in accounting. In the King James Version, uh, it, it says instead of make the most of your time, they, they translate it redeem the time. Or, or we could even say get the full value out of your time. Get all the good out of every second of your life. To me, that sounds like putting the big rocks in first. So maybe the, maybe the first thing you need to do in the margins of your life as we think about our schedule and our time is to identify your big rocks then you can make sure that you're spending your time wisely. What happens in the margins determines what you write on the page. Now, we could conclude that, that since all those seconds are flying by, uh, 86,400 seconds, who knows how many of those seconds you've wasted at church, right? I mean, we've gotta, we just gotta, we gotta get stuff done, we gotta fill it all, we gotta cram it all in, we gotta, we gotta fill it, and I, I don't know, I, I heard one, uh, one uh, leader of a, of a large organization he was uh, talking about time management and, and all these things and about being as efficient as possible and, and uh, all the things that he has to get done in a certain day. And so he literally uh, counts, he has a certain route and he counts his steps from the bed to the coffee pot in the morning and he doesn't want to retrace any steps. or He does the exact same so that he can be as efficient as possible. And, and to me, as I'm listening to that, I thought, man, I hope I'm never that important. <laughs> I don't want to have to count my steps that way. I'm not sure that, that, that efficiency is important, but it's, it's not always the point. I, I think making the most of our time is about being wise, not just about doing more. See the difference? I, I read and listen to pastors and business leaders who, who promote time management strategies, and, and I mean, they're great. And, and, and I've uh, learned a lot over the years how to structure my day and structure my week and, and structure my time so that I can be as effective as possible. I always have my, uh, my full focus planner right here with me, and, uh, and, and this, this covers uh, three months of... Um, of time and it's got my goals uh, for the, for the year and for the quarter right there in the front and then it's got my calendar and uh, it's it's got every day and I put my uh, my my goals for the day and my top three and 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 that helps me to to organize and be efficient and do all those things if you, if you want to find out some about that I you know I, I I love to geek out on stuff like that and and we can we can talk about that I, I think all that is is important and we need to be efficient but but despite how great all of that kind of thing is. We need to be careful not to just try to fill every waking second doing and accomplishing, right? 
Oh, I, I love this quote from Jean Fleming. It's in, uh, uh, in the margin book. She says, The goal of much that is written about life management is to enable us to do more in less time. But is this necessarily a desirable goal? Perhaps we need to get less done, but the right things. Is that a desirable goal? In some ways, yeah, we need to, we need to not just laze our, our lives away, right? But, but, but we need to do the right things things not just more things and I have to wonder would would Jesus have carried his schedule on his phone and referred to it before he made ministry decisions would would Jesus have bypassed the blind man or or Zacchaeus because he was late to the Jerusalem men's prayer breakfast I I don't know would would he have what would he have done if the synagogue service went over five or ten minutes keep looking at his watch wondering what's John Ortberg, pastor and author, uh, once wrote, Jesus was often busy, but he was never hurried. Uh, again, in, uh, in uh, the, the, the margin book, the clock and the Christ are not close friends. Imagine what God thinks of us now that we are so locked into our schedules that we have locked ourselves out of the Sermon on the Mount. It is hardly possible to walk the second mile today without offending one's pocket calendar. We jump at the alarm of a Seiko, but sleep through the call of the Almighty. So I I believe creating margin in our schedules isn't just about making sure that we schedule a vacation every once in a while, although you need to schedule a vacation every once in a while. That's that's important, but, but margin is, is even more about creating space for what really matters so that we can, be invest, we can be wise in how we invest our time. In the, in the book, uh, again, if you can grab a copy of that and flip through it, it, it is just some, some gold stuff there. Uh, but he, he lists a, a bunch of different bullet points of, of things in the chapter on time, and, and I encourage you to pick that up. I just want to want to highlight uh, a couple of things here today. Um, so that, so that we can get some practical things of what we could do as we start to try to get a handle on this, this issue of margin in our time. Because life, the, life is best when it's lived with margin. The first thing I, I think we've got to settle before we go anywhere else is that there's got to be a commitment to God. We've got to, uh, we, we, we've got to be committed to, uh, to, to, to following him. If you're more committed to your job than to God, then margin won't be a priority. If you're more committed to your family or to sports or to your hobbies or whatever, fill in the blank, than to God, then margin won't happen. You'll fill it up with those things. It doesn't matter if, if the preacher says, live wisely on Sunday morning if you're not 100% committed to God on Thursday afternoon, right? Some, some of you are, uh, are probably ready and, and need to start right here. Maybe that's the, the, the very first step. Maybe you've never truly settled the issue of God being number one in your life. Margin starts there. Spiritual margin starts there. Make the conscious personal decision that you want to live your life for God. You want to live wisely by his standards. And and that's a decision that happens in the margin that will determine everything else that you fill the pages of your life with. Commitment to God. You've got to start there. If you haven't made that commitment yet or you feel like you've drifted off and other things have have taken precedence, that is the, (laughs) the first thing. And, and then once you've, you've settled that question, you've got to spend time with God, right? It's, it's a margin activity. That's a, a huge rock that can't be skipped. 
A lot of people use the term uh, doing my devotions. Maybe you've said that. I know I've said that a, a million times. Uh, I'm going to go do my devotions. And, and, and that's a, a way that we describe personal time that we spend in prayer and reading the Bible. It's one of those, I don't know, churchianity kind of phrases that really, if you think about it, doesn't make any lick of sense. I'm going to do my devotion. I, 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 here, here's a challenge. I if it helps, great. If it doesn't, throw it out. Shift your terminology. Instead of saying, I'm going to do my devotion, say, I need to spend time with God. I'm going to be spending time with God for the next 20 minutes, for the next 30 minutes. When I get up, after I grab my coffee, before everything else piles into my day, I'm going to spend time with God. I think, for me, that little shift in terminology moves it from a list of activities on the page. Oh, I've got to do my devotions and check it off the list. It moves it from being a list on the page to an experience in the margins with Jesus. See, prayer needs to fuel our lives. Margin activities seem to be like that, right? They, 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 they fuel what happens uh, in, in the rest of our lives. We, we can actually get more done better if we make the, the, the effort to have extended time with God each and every day. Um, as I talked to you last week, we looked at the story of Mary and Martha, and, and we, we were reminded of how we fill our lives with so many things, and, and Jesus says, oh, you're just so distracted. Oh, I've got more for you. Listen to me. Spend time with me. Lean in. Your connection with God fuels the rest of your life. What happens in the margin affects what's written across the page. Matthew 6, 33, uh, uh, I think applies here greatly. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Spend time with God first and the rest of your day, all the details, all these things uh, will be aligned with his priorities. I'm more convinced than ever that we, that we miss the blessing and the presence of God because we're not spending time with him first. We're not seeking him first. It's true in our personal lives. It's true in our finances. It's true in our families. It's, it's even true in the church. We're, we're not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and so we miss out on all these things that could be given to us as well because we're trying to do all the things and squeeze God in where we can. What if, what if we didn't write anything on the page until we spent time in the margins with Jesus? What if we didn't, we didn't step into the to-do list until we'd spent time being with our Savior? Just a question. One, I think we need to put into practice. Another thing I think we need to do if we're, if we're thinking about being wise and how we use our time is that we need to make sure we have time for ourselves. Now, that sounds selfish. Hang on, stick with me. Uh, when we get busy, many times we neglect ourselves, right? It, it shows up in unhealthy choices. Uh, we pick the drive-through instead of a healthy dinner. We, we, we don't get enough sleep. We, we don't exercise. It also shows up in our goals and dreams or our lack of goals and dreams, right? Because we're just filling every waking moment with noise and activity and there's no space for dreaming or evaluating where we're headed. And Robert Banks writes these words, those who are caught up in the busy life have neither the time nor quiet to come to understand themselves or their goals. So your well-being and your body, your mind, your emotions, your soul is vitally important. And so we need to make regular time in the margin for evaluating our personal lives. 
Take time to think, take time to dream, take time to set goals. First of the year, maybe that's a, 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 a th- something that's already been a part of, of your life as you ended a year and started a new one uh, uh, and you're evaluating where you've been and where you're headed, that's great. Uh, we need to constantly be revisiting that. It, it determines uh, what gets written across the rest of the page and the, the things that we do have more meaning because now we're moving in the right direction. So we have uh, commitment to God and we spend time with God and we have, uh, make sure we have time for ourselves and, and we all, there also needs to be time for relationships. Statistics show that the amount of real meaningful interaction between spouses in a typical day averages as little as four minutes. Ugh. Parent to child meaningful interaction in a typical day ranges from 37 seconds to five minutes depending on the study. And time with friends is even less. We were made for relationships, but I'm not sure that we're doing a great job of entering into each other's lives. And and I don't think that it's the same if we're entering into it on a screen. And sure, uh, Zoom and all those things, that has enabled us to to keep some things up to to date that uh, that would otherwise go by the wayside when we can't get out and about and do all those things. But but I think that that video that we watched a a little bit ago, I, I think we need to do what it says. We need to look up. We can't just all spend all of our time uh, zoned in on, on what's going on. I'm not sure that much screen living is really margin living. I, I, I usually it's, it's when we zone out and we scroll and we... Relationships happen in the margins. So build relationships. Have people over. Uh, make a call. Join a group. Uh, get involved in people's lives. Make time for relationships. Here, here's a fun one. Learn to say no. The, the good is the enemy of the best. So uh, spreading yourself thin doesn't do anybody any good. If you get burned out, you can't do anything with excellence. So learn to say no sometimes. You don't have to give a reason. No is a complete sentence. Turn to somebody and practice. Turn to somebody and say, no. Go ahead, do it, go ahead. Sitting at home, on your couch, wherever you are, in the car, just say, No. Some of you have a lot of practice at this. I can see from the, uh, the spousal relationships in the room that, uh, that, that you're used to this and this comes natural. No, I'm just kidding. No is a complete, sometimes that means cutting back on things you've already been involved in, right? You make a commitment, you're involved in this and you're doing this. Many times we're, we're still involved in this and then something else comes and we say, okay, yeah, I should jump into that too. And now I'm doing this and I'm doing this and then something else comes and I've got to try to do this. And, and it, it could very well be that, that the thing that you were involved in here needs to end before we make the next commitment that goes here. Uh, something, if we make a commitment to start something, uh, it's very well, uh, very true that probably something else needs to stop first. Activities and commitments have a way of multiplying. Living with margin gives the opportunity to reevaluate your activities and to cut back when needed. Saying yes to the wise things means saying no to things that distract us from the best. So learn to say no. Be nice about it. Smile when you say no. Learn, there's an art to it, but learn to say no. Limit all your activity. And, and then something else, be available. It is possible that the most important things that God has for you on any given day are not in your agenda. Let me say that again. It is possible that the most important things that God has for you on any given day are not on your to-do list or on your radar even when you start that morning and you head out. 
Living with margin means that everything is not so scheduled out that you don't have time for God to change your plans. I, I think, think this might be a pretty important one. Uh, the, the question again is, and we, we talked about it that, that, uh, yesterday, and it, it's kind of a thread that runs through all of this. Uh, um, am I available to God? Or am I so scheduled with no margin that when opportunity comes, I can't step into it? Or even worse, I, I don't even recognize the opportunity because of the busyness of life. I, I just blew right past it. I wonder how many opportunities that, that, that we did not take advantage of this past week simply because we were too busy to see them. In his little book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote these words. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing your paths and canceling our plans by sending people uh, with claims and petitions. We must not assume that our schedule is our own to manage, but allow it to be rearranged by God. Someone else once said, life is a journey, but it's not a race. Time was never meant to rule over us, but is simply a tool to be used. So use yours wisely. Coach Bear Bryant is best known for being the head coach of the University of Alabama football team for 25 years, from 1958 to 1962. I need to give a disclaimer in wearing my Ohio State shirt today knowing that we're playing the University of Alabama tomorrow night for the national championship, uh, that, uh, that, that I no way endorse the University of Alabama. However, uh, Coach Bear Bryant, uh, this, this illustration, I think, just ties everything up that we've talked about today. And so I, I can't skip this as we talk about it. So uh, as he coached for 25 years, the University of Alabama, he, he, uh, he racked up six national championships and 13 conference championships. And, and we're hoping that they don't add one more to the list tomorrow night, right? But when he retired, Coach Bear Bryant held the record for the most wins for a college football team at 323. And I, and I checked, and uh, so that was in uh, uh, 1982. Uh, between then and now, he's only been surpassed by two other people. So he's still number three on the list of most wins for any college football coach. He's considered by many to be the greatest college football coach of all time. It is safe to say that, at least by human standards, Coach Bear Bryant accomplished much with the time allotted him on this earth. After his death in 1983, a prayer was found written on a card in the coach's wallet. And it, 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 it said this. This is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving something in its place that I've traded for it. I want it to be gain, not loss, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not forget the price I paid for it. Paul in Ephesians 5, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Are you making the most of your time? What will it mean for you to live wisely? Are there changes that need to be made? Uh, Have you been, do you need to spend some time in the margins with Jesus? 
to let him direct how you use your time.